0: This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, it's the Roughnecks and Bandits for the NLL Cup. We'll ask Rob Williams about Christian Del Bianco's incredible performance last Friday. We'll see if Pat Gregoire thinks this thing goes the distance, and does John Tavares prepare more as a player or a coach? All that and more on OTCB. What is good lacrosse fans and welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on SoundCloud and the Lacrosse Flash. My name is Teddy Jenner. Thank you for stopping by. You can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar, or you can email me teddy.jenner at gmail.com. We are just a few short days away from game one of the 2019 NLL Cup, a rematch of the 2004 clash between the Bandits. And the Roughnecks back in 04. The Roughnecks won in front of a packed Saddle-Dome crowd to win their first ever NLL title in franchise history. They've won more, won more since then when they knocked off the Titans. The Bandits have been in their fair share of championship games since, but unable to get over that hump. Obviously, we all remember the last time they were there where Jeff Cornwall scored a game winner at the death in regulation as the rush knocked off the Bandits in SaskTel, which was one of the greatest NLL Finals. We've seen a lot in the last few years now that we've gone to this three-game system. And I wouldn't expect anything less between these two teams as we get set for Saturday night in Banditland. We'll talk with Chris, sorry, we'll talk... No, Chris. There's no Chris's on the show this weekend. We'll uh, we'll talk with Rob Williams. Chris Williams is a National Lacrosse League ref who might get a couple reps during the NLL Finals. We'll talk with Rob Williams, defensive coach for the Roughnecks, about that incredible four goals against performance where they shut down the Colorado Mammoth offense and held them scoreless for the first half. It almost looked at one point that neither team was going to score in that first half as Dylan Ward and Christian Del Bianco put up some incredible numbers defensively in what was a gem of a goaltender's duel. Pat Gregoire stops by, we'll ask him a boatload of questions, including whether or not this series goes the distance. And then the legend, John Tavares, Uh, you can call him the head coach of the Buffalo Bandits if you wish, but he'll check in and we'll talk quite a bit with JT, especially focus on preparing as a player versus preparing as a coach, and we'll also ask him How much weight he'll put in that earlier season meeting between these two clubs where they were tied late going into that fourth quarter only to have the Bandits outscore the Roughnecks 4-1 to take it 12-10. So those are our guests this week, and we'll try and squeeze some other things in the show as well as we get set for Game 1 of the Finals. Of course, Game 1 will be called by Brendan Glasheen. And Brian Shanahan, Ashley Docking will be there as well, as will Dave Buchanan. And then game two will be myself, Brad Challoner, Ashley Docking, and Kayla Spice as we get a little local flavor from both the Bandits and the Roughnecks during the finals broadcast. Ashley Docking will do some on-floor stuff as well. So we'll be giving you as much coverage as possible. And you know the only place you can get it is live on Bleacher Report. And remember, we had a good chat with Joel Feld last week just about the partnership between Bleacher Report and the National Lacrosse League and continuing to bring you as much coverage as possible. And hopefully this year's National Lacrosse League Finals will just be a stepping stone to bigger things to come. But let's quickly go back to the weekend that was in the National Lacrosse League, the division finals. uh, Buffalo taking on Toronto. Calgary taking on Colorado, and if we start Friday night in Calgary, it was almost a near perfect storm for the goaltenders, and when I say that, it's not a knock on the offenses, but it was just because of how good both defenses were and the level of lacrosse that they were playing, it was always going to be tough. For the offenses to get goals. There was no doubt in my mind that this was going to be a defensive battle and a low scoring game. I just didn't think that at halftime it would be 2 0. I'm not sure many people even fathomed we'd get out of the first 10 minutes of the game without a goal. And yet we almost went 30. And when Christian Del Bianco and dylan ward are putting up nearly 900 save percentage efforts you know that they are on top of their game and it just continued throughout the entire night christian del bianco stopped 47 of 51 and dylan ward stopped 46 of 54 like that is phenomenal goaltending And I think I tweeted it out during the game, and I'm sure others did as well. But if you would have told Dylan Ward he had only given up two goals at halftime and his team would be trailing, he'd probably laugh in your face. But that's where we found ourselves Friday night in Calgary. And you have to give a lot of credit to Rob Williams and that defensive group in Calgary for doing an excellent job In shutting down the likes of Killen, McLaughlin, Lee, Noble, Wardle. The list goes on. I think in the future, Colorado will get better offensively. They just don't right now have a true number one weapon out the front door. Uh, Eli McLaughlin is getting there, but obviously dealing with some injuries late in the season slowed him down a bit, and he was held to one goal and two assists. Ryan Lee only had a pair of goals. Uh, You don't get anything from Jeremy Noble. You don't get anything from Kyle Killen. You don't get any goals from Chris Wardle or Jacob Rue. That offense needed to find and have its depth available, and Calgary shut them down. And Colorado did a great job shutting down Calgary as well, but they are just too potent as Dixon, Dutch, Dobie. They all did the damage. And I think that's going to be a big focal point for the Buffalo Bandits defense is trying to limit the opportunity of the Roughnecks depth on offense because that is one of their biggest strengths. I thought another huge advantage for Calgary was at the faceoff dot is Tyler Burton went 11 for 16 and continually gave Calgary possessions in that contest that just allowed them to kill the clock, allow them to keep momentum in their favor and really never allowed Colorado to gain any sort of momentum. It will be very interesting to see if they can have that effect on the Buffalo Bandits defense. Sorry, on the Buffalo Bandits offense because that offense is just as deep and as potent as Calgary's own offense. And I think that's one thing we're all gonna have to keep an eye on in this series is yes, Dane Smith, Sean Evans, Curtis Dixon, Dane Doby, Josh Byrne, Corey Small, those big names are going to get their goals. It's going to be the supporting cast, the grinders, the dirty guys, the the grit guys. If those guys can contribute not just goals and assists, but find those loose balls and create multiple resets, it's going to go a long way in tiring out defenses, Tiring out both Matt Vince and Christian Del Bianco and giving their offense multiple and ample opportunities to bury the ball. If teams are going one possession and out, it's going to be a long series for both offenses. And Calgary really controlled that game once they took the lead, they never really relinquished it. And Buffalo pretty much did the same thing. It was 2-2 two, two after 1 when they were playing Toronto in Banditland. But even after Chow Rogers scored that power play goal halfway through the second quarter and gave Toronto uh, their first lead of the contest and only lead of the contest, maybe there was a glimmer of hope. But once Smallsy tied it up 20 seconds later and then Bryce Sweeting scored... Uh, A huge goal for them in transition. Uh, It started to snowball. Small would get another one uh, a minute later. Evie would get one near the end of the half. And that gave Buffalo a 6-3 advantage and one they would never give up. Toronto tried in that third quarter to claw back. But Buffalo, again, just too deep, too strong. And they used Banditland to their advantage. And we're able to stifle the rock offense and not allow guys like Tom Schreiber to get on the scoreboard. And when you can hold Tom Schreiber out of the goal column, you're doing a pretty, pretty good job. Yeah, sure, he had four assists, but you'd rather have him four assists than four goals. Adam Jones was doing all the damage for Toronto, but if you can have only one guy on that Toronto offense do damage, much like if you're only going to hold Curtis Dixon to multiple goals, you're doing a good job. And you're doing your defense and your goaltender the right way. I don't think we're going to see too many games of low-scoring lacrosse in these finals. There may be one of the three that's low-scoring. Maybe game one. Just because a little feeling out process. These two teams only played each other once during the regular season. That was early on in the year. Probably don't hold too much weight in that game. We'll ask John Tavares about that game in a little bit, but I would imagine that that game earlier in the season, neither team really looks the same since. So as we move towards Saturday night, we have to think of what the keys are going to be. Obviously, the goaltender battle between Christian Del Bianco and Matt Vince will be a huge one, but that's probably a wash as both goaltenders. Are playing out of their minds. Maybe you give the advantage to Matt Vince just because he's been there so many damn times. This will be Christian Del Bianco's first ever NLL Cup final. However, it's not his first ever championship final. The guy is a Minto Cup savant, and Brad Chandler found a beauty of a stat earlier this week that Del Bianco has an opportunity to become the first goaltender to win a Minto and an NLL Cup in essence in the same year. That would be phenomenal. I think the battle at the faceoff dot will be an interesting one. Uh, Buffalo doesn't have the greatest draw guys in Nick Weiss and Chase Fraser. I almost called him Chaz. Uh, Chase Fraser, I think Tyler Burton has the advantage there, but if Weiss and Fraser can beat up Burton at the draw and not give him easy exits, if they can get on his wrists, make him battle, keep him near the ground and not let him pop up and get free, I think that is to their advantage. If Tyler Burton is pinching and popping to himself or to a guy like Tyson Bell sprinting off the back line, if that is an easy exit for him, Calgary will continue to have possession and keep momentum in their favor. Both defenses are talented. I think in transition, you might give the edge to Calgary, uh, but for size and physicality, Buffalo has a bit of the edge. But the biggest key for both teams in these three or two games in this series will be special teams. More importantly, we'll be staying out of the penalty box. If you can limit the free chances of man-up opportunities for your opponent, obviously, your chances of success increase that much more. But if you're constantly taking a parade to the penalty box and keeping your short man unit out on the floor, it's going to be a long series. These two power plays are too good to keep giving them free looks. So goaltenders are a wash. Offensively, both teams are deep and even. Transition, I give a bit of an edge to the Calgary Roughnecks. Defensively, a bit of an edge to the Buffalo Bandits. Face-off, I give an edge to the Calgary Roughnecks. Special teams are pretty even. So this is going to be and shaping up to be one heck of a National Lacrosse League Cup final. And one of the greatest things is we have five, six incredible lacrosse minds on the benches McMahon, Miloski, Williams, Kilgore, uh, Kruger, and Johnny Tavares. We're going to talk to two of them pretty quick here. Rob Williams, he's up first. And when I caught up with Sato, a longtime buddy of mine, I simply asked him how great it was to be in the NLL finals.
1: Amazing. Amazing feeling. It just. Come, it's come pretty uh, fast and heavy with the way the schedule worked out. With the with the our uh, Monday night game coming home and then uh, going right back for a Friday night game, but it's part of uh, part of the battle that we've gone through and kind of got us to where we are. So, do
2: you so think great. do you think it helped you having fewer days off between games?
1: Uh, I. Player wise, I I don't know. It didn't seem to affect us. I know, coaching wise, there was there was a lot you had to ram into three days and and get things done. Trying to focus on the game in front of you instead of, you know, or the game at in hand instead of the game in front of you. You, you, you got to focus on that. So you, you you basically had two days to prepare for your next your next game, video wise and everything else. Right. So.
2: You obviously did a pretty good job. You held uh, the. Cu- Colorado offense to just four goals was that something that you saw happening, or was it just a perfect storm for your
1: defense? Um, the way things have been coming together, I saw. Obviously, I I always feel confident and feel like we're gonna have we're gonna have a great game. I felt like we were gonna have a good game as playoffs, and our guys know it's time to lock down and and just, and just do our jobs. And, and they've been working. The guys have been working really hard and buying into everything that's been said. So I expected. A good game can you can never say you expect four four goals or, or zero at half. Like it's yeah. and, and you know, like Del Delves is obviously world class and a huge part of it, but like there there was a lot of like really good things done in that game and I it was uh, just felt like these the, these games were coming, it's just when they came was, you and I, I have done. been
2: part of some uh, interesting games when we were members of the Russian we had some futile efforts offensively, even defensively. Have you ever seen anything like that Monday or uh, Friday night, when your team scores
1: only two and yet you're winning? Oh no, I said that. that's, what I was, that's what I was getting. at. It's two nothing and a half is, is insane. I don't know if that, yeah. does anyone know if that's happened. I don't think that's never been
2: happened. that low before.
1: No, I did not think so. No, it's great goaltending in both ends. And you know their their defense was their defense was phenomenal too. I mean it was you know both both defenses were at task and the goalies were at task and the offense the offense kept grinding away to get to get what they got and and that's all you can ask really. Sometimes it's just the way it is.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So now looking forward to Buffalo, a
1: much different offense. They move the ball
2: really well. They're very effective of getting to the middle. How much does your game planning change?
1: um you know for 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 us i mean there'll be there'll be there'll be there'll be changes it's just i i think for me anyways like you know it's you stick to you stick to what you're good at and don't try and get too far away from it but obviously with them they've got a whole bunch of offensive weapons and and uh they're strong through and through from from they're obviously their goalie out mm-hmm. to you know they're they it's i feel like the teams are very similar with the fact that they have some older veteran guys that are really good, sprinkled in with some, you know, like mid, mid, mid career players that are that are that are excellent, and then these these young players, you know, like that have played outstanding for both teams. It's, it's I think, it's the matchup is uh, the matchup is pretty is, is is pretty looks looks like to be a dogfight to me. hmm I agree. I agree. Um,
2: do you focus on? Trying to eliminate one guy and and limit his touches, or is it going to be a conservative team effort to just play straight up? I'm not trying to give away any game planning or anything, obviously.
1: No, I feel like we've we've got a lot of trust in our in in, in the guys that are in our back end, and yeah, and, uh, we play as a committee, so. That answers your question. Right? That
2: does answer my question, Rob Williams. Absolutely. Uh, when we were one in fifteen in Edmonton, do you ever think you'd be coaching a team going to the playoffs and, and the finals?
1: <laughs> uh, a lot of surprising things have happened in my <laughs> in my coaching career so far. So, um, did I think no? Like I, I always had the uh, always had the passion and wanted to and wanted to do well and, and, and coach well. And I've been lucky enough to be to be mentored by a bunch of really really good people my current obviously my current situation i have one of the best minds or two of the best minds in lacrosse with the most experience showing me Mm -hmm. the ropes and i have to be quite honest you have a bunch of veteran guys on my back end that help me just as much so um if you ask me after after my first or second year with this group i would say yes if you'd asked me my first year going in without any experience and not knowing the NLL, as well as I know, maybe maybe the WLA or or junior. You know, uh, I wouldn't say no, but I I don't know if I would feel like it would have happened as fast as it's happening. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm more of a, you know, what I'm like. I'm you know, I'm more of a work work hard and figure and and things things usually take time. I but I but I work hard at it. So. Yeah.
2: We we've talked to a
1: lot of players who have been with Kurt
2: Molossi What's he like from a coach's perspective?
1: There's nobody that I. There's nobody that is as intelligent all, throughout the whole floor as like anyone that I've been around or I've been coached by that could could tell you in each scenario and everything else that's gonna happen and and have it come to you know, come like see it play out on the floor and and just be like in amazement, you know, time after time. Yeah. Because some of it is just like. You know, and I like I said, especially for me, it was meat and potatoes, and and grind and work hard, and and then I got the other side of where this guy sees everything and seems to know everything, and it and it and it it all comes to, to you know to to it comes to happening on the floor, and I just you know, amazing. And Bobby McMahon's very similar. Bobby is like. Some of the stuff that they come up with that I see and and I see it starting to come to happen on the floor. I'm, I'm you know I'm just amazed.
2: Does it make you a better defensive coach having those guys working sort of the the offense? Does that make you a better defensive coach having to in practice plan against what they're going to do? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? I got
1: I guy standing in my
2: window. <laughs> 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 is he asking for change?
1: I don't know what his deal is.
2: Anyways, <laughs> um, I was gonna say, does. Those two sort of more offensive minds make you a better defensive coach, having to plan against what they kinda of do in practices.
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Without a doubt. And it's been like for me it's been a three year process of learning learning from these guys and, and 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 believing the process and working hard at it and, and the same goes for the players with me passing the message that I'm getting passed to me, you know, like mm-hmm. And them trusting me, and, and and it seems to be coming to, uh, you know, it's come to a positive place, and and, and good timing with it, and and yeah, they, you, I couldn't ask to learn from two better guys with different approaches, but both great approach, like both excellent approaches for for my style of learning and figuring out how to how to how to be part of the, the wheel.
2: You're gonna to have to face off against Jesse King in the summertime, but how nice has it been to have him back in a Roughnecks uniform, healthy this year, late in the season and
1: in the playoffs? Well, to it, be quite honest, that, you know, at the at the draft when we were talking about when we were talking about him, I had nothing but good things to say about him. Just from and how couldn't you like just from coaching yeah. against him and him constantly finding a way to you know to to make them better and and one thing you don't unless you've coached them or played with them. I don't think you understand that, that um how good he is from the back end out or the, the front end back like all mm-hmm. the little stuff that he does like he, he's 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 a leader and there's no doubt about it and I don't think it's it's easy to tell it's easy as easy to tell when he's on the other team until he's on your team he's one of those guys where you're just like oh man, that was smart or holy man that was you know like he really he really uh sold out or not sold out on that but you know he just he, he he just is a constant uh constant professional and, and everything he does is for the betterment of the team and, and and I think it's contagious and and obviously his offensive talents are you know they're, they they speak for themselves but the small little like we call them you word them as little things but they're not little things and they add up and they it's just they, you know all that stuff is once he's on your team, you're really 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 paying attention to it it's it's uh really it's really quite something
2: uh if Dane doby doesn't win the m v p this year will it be the biggest travesty of the year
1: i well I think it has to be i mean you know there's other names that could be that could be mentioned in this uh in the conversation, but when you look at stat lines and then you look at the leadership and you look at what what how much how important he was to our team. That's the thing about that's the thing about that stuff too. Like you, I've seen MVPs in other leagues where the team finished last or second to last, and but they got the most points, so they get the MVP. Where in this situation, he put us on his back a couple games, and, and he got us to this. You know, got us to a point where we were still competing, we would still getting the playoffs, and it was. <laughs> And, and then the, and he still won the scoring race and he was I don't know if it was goals or assists he was still right there with that and they were pretty even on that too so that says something about a player too right when assists and goals and all that kind of is even and adds up too right so uh I, he has to in my mind yeah. there's there's no one there's no one else that's MVP in in the league this year There, there can't be a two out of three series
2: obviously game one is important um, what's going to be the biggest factor for you guys
1: come game one Saturday in Buffalo. Uh, just continue to just continue on the on the road we're on it, and just continue to to believe and and play for each other, and 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 play for our fans back home, and play for the organization. And biggest thing is uh, honestly is just uh, being who we are.
2: Did always a pleasure, my man. Uh, always fun to catch up and talk lacrosse. I will see you in a couple weeks. Uh, good luck Saturday night.
0: Okay, thanks, man. There is Rob Williams. Defensive coach for the Calgary Roughnecks, the man they call Sato. Uh, And it's been a long time coming for Rob Williams. Uh, Another chance uh, for a championship. He's had a few looks in the Man Cup with the Maple Ridge Burrards. Never got there as a player. And he and I spent a couple tumultuous years with the Edmonton Rush, especially going back to that first year where we were 1-15. And it's been a bit of a long road for Sato to get here. Uh, but I couldn't be happier for a guy like him to have a chance to win a national lacrosse League championship as a coach, especially alongside two great lacrosse minds. And you heard him talk about just the level of intelligence and experience that Bob McMahon and Kurt Miloski have on that bench. And it's made him a better coach. I remember on the lacrosse classified podcast uh, last week. When Jake Elliott was talking with Pat Coyle and they just talked about Pat Coyle going with the Team Canada coaching staff this summer for the World Indoors and how Pat will be just absorbing all the knowledge from some of the other coaches that he'll be working with. And I think that is just an incredible gift for all coaches, no matter who you're working with. If you're working with more experienced coaching personnel, you have to be able to take lessons from them and absorb their knowledge and pick up little nuances, whether it be drills, whether it be strategy, whether it be formations or tactics or whatever. If you can pick up just a few things from those people, it's going to make you that much better of a coach in the long run. And I truly believe that in his time with Calgary, Rob Williams has picked up quite a few things from Mouse and Bobby McMahon. So he'll be put to task this weekend because he's got to find a game plan, much like the one he put together to shut down and silence the Mammoth guns. But I think going up against Buffalo, it's going to be that much harder. The Mammoth offense was good. They were just young and inexperienced at a high level of lacrosse in the National Lacrosse League. On the other side of the ball this time, the Buffalo Bandits, and this is an offense that is lethal every single opportunity. Whether they are 5-on-5, 4-on-4, 4-on-5, coming off the bench in transition, whichever situation you want to be in, you have to have a game plan for it because Buffalo will have a plan for your defense. It is going to be an incredible chess match of the coaches in this series. On the other bench is John Tavares, the icon, the legend, the GOAT, if you will. He has been in numerous National Lacrosse League finals as a player. Now he's a head coach in an NLL final. So the preparation is different. The mindset is different. But what's the feeling for John Tavares going into an NLL final as a coach instead of a player?
3: It it it, uh, it still feels good. You know, yeah. uh, it definitely feels good as a player. It's just uh, you know have a different role on the team, but uh, definitely it it uh, feels I would say equally as good as being as a player.
2: Yeah. And how does preparation change from a coach to a player heading into championship games?
3: Well, I mean, in, in general, it just changes all, you know, altogether, you know, instead of just preparing about myself and, you know, making sure that I'm healthy and, and you know, in good shape. um You know, now I've got to watch more video and, you know, come up with a game plan, you know, try to find some tendencies and, uh, you know, that takes a lot more time. So I, I would say, you know, time-wise, being a coach uh, definitely takes up more of my time than... Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was a player. You know, as a player, you know, I work out for, you know, an hour or so a day. It's pretty easy. You know, mm-hmm. watch some video that the coach put together you know, I'm watching the clip or sort of a reel that takes maybe five, ten minutes. Whereas now, you know, I'm taking like, you know, literally five to ten hours. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Year, so does your
2: body think it could play still?
3: <laughs> That's funny you asked that. Um I don't know if you know but I played the game last summer for Six Nations. Yeah. And before that game I definitely had that thought that I think I could still play. I think I can still play. And then um when it took about a week to recover from that lacrosse game, I I quickly understood that no, I don't I, I any any hope or dream of a comeback is over. Over, yeah. And I'm sure
2: I'm sure the body's okay with that.
3: I agree. I, I'm very yeah. content with not playing anymore.
2: Yeah. Um a big win for you guys over Toronto in what was a, a very tough game. Um, slow to start, much like the, the West final. Why do you think both these finals uh, in divisions were so low scoring in the first half? Is that just how good all these teams are?
3: Yeah, I think the teams are getting to know each other, uh, mm. understanding what each other does on uh, uh, power plays, you know, um, five on five, after timeouts. You know, a lot of time is put into, you know, understanding what other teams are doing. The teams are coming in prepared and you know, being a being a lacrosse you know a semi-final lacrosse game uh one game elimination you know you don't want to make a mistake so teams are very you know tentative to start the game um so you're not willing to take much risk so you know guys are you know holding the sticks a little tighter and defenses you know are prepared for what's to come you know it's, it's i you know i, I i'm a I number like as a player i don't think i was ever as prepared for a game as now as i am a coach In terms of what the other team is doing, so uh, you know, and I think that's all the videos the teams have now, and just going over all the tendencies, and it it makes things easier when you know, okay, this guy likes to do this, this team likes to do that. So I think just you know being really prepared, and and, and like I said, nobody wants to make mistakes, especially early in the game.
2: How much of that game early in the year against Calgary will you watch, or will you more focus on their later games?
3: Yeah, it's funny that funny to say that because. Kind of feel like they were missing a lot of players, and I, you know, I think they didn't really show how good they are in the early part of the season, mm-hmm. as they have in the second part. And I, I and I haven't watched that game yet. And that's funny because I'm going to be doing scouting on Calgary um, the next couple of days. I started yesterday, and I, I'm hesitant to watch that game for whatever reason. I, I will, I will watch it. and see if they're you know doing anything different than they, than they did in the last five or six games. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you want to see how teams. You know, we're matching up against you, and what they were trying to do against us, and you know, you know, I have no idea if they're going to do the same thing or not because it was so yeah. far, you know, so far, not so far, um, so so far ago, and so early mm-hmm. in the season, that you know they can easily change their philosophy on everything. So the Toronto
2: game was 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 a very tight one. You know, you mentioned the guys were gripping their sticks, defensively, really well prepared. Um, after the game you gave Mitch the new the heavyweight player of the game. Obviously he had a lot on his mind. How impressed were you with the maturity and composure that he showed in that game knowing everything that had happened to him off the floor?
3: Well, one, one for him just to be there, you know, says a lot about uh, about our team and it says a lot about Mitch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mitch Mitch plays hard every game. Um, there's no question that you know, Mitch Mitch is going to take a penalty or two here or there. And, uh, you know, Mitch went out there, and, you know, from an outside perspective, it was kind of like, oh, Mitch took a bunch of penalties. But M- Mitch, you know, he he played with so much heart that game. And, uh, you know, it was hard, you know, not you know, n- not to give that award to Mitch. You know, Mitch, to me, exemplified what, a t- what our team's all about. You know, we like to call ourselves a family and be there for one another. You know, and even through tough times, Mitch, you know, was there for us you know, even yeah. though his family was going through a tough time. And for him to go out there and just, you know, put everything on the line for us, that was, uh, was an amazing effort on his part. And we appreciate everything he's done that night and every other night he's played for us.
2: Do you ever expect Bryce Sweeting to score a goal for
3: you? <laughs> well, that's the second goal of the year. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Second in maybe three years, though. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it, was a, it was a great, great goal. And, you know, Dane Smith did a great job on that. And, uh, you know, Bryce did a great job of uh, getting himself in position to score that uh, quick stick goal.
2: How important is depth going to be for this series? Because obviously, you know, yourself and Kurt will, will focus defensive tendencies on shutting down the main guys. But how important will depth of scoring be in this best series?
3: Yeah, you know, I think with any sport, the deeper you go into the playoffs, the, the more important your depth is. And uh, the teams that have depth, you know, they find ways to when, you know, like, you know, you take like the hockey team, you know, the third line, the fourth line, they're scoring the goals. Because when you, you know, you focus all your attention, like we talked about earlier, you focus your attention on shutting somebody down, you can do it. You know, mm. you can minimize their opportunities. You can minimize their goals. And it's, it's the, the, you know, the other guys that you don't really prepare for. And it's uh, the other guys who really pick it up in the, you know, in the playoffs. And I think that's often makes a difference, especially, you know, lacrosse is a one game series, mm-hmm. you know, especially in like a two or a three or a three to five, you know, so I was going to say, especially in the best of seven when you know, you're focused so much on the top line or the top players. And then all of a sudden you, you don't really prepare for your uh, third or fourth line guys. Yeah. so You know, in lacrosse, you know we've been dressing you know seven seven offensive guys so really you know you prepare for seven guys it's yeah, not yeah. like we have running four lines but so uh, you know when you talk about like people who get points you know maybe you prepare for the top maybe you're preparing for dane smith but maybe you forget about uh you know small mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. How impressed
2: have you been with your rookie group this year? Because you eventually got three of the top four draft picks in this year's draft, and they've all contributed uh, throughout the year for you. How impressed, impressive have they been? Because every year we just continually talk about how good the rookie classes are
3: each year. Yeah. Well, Ian McKay and Matt Gilray have been awesome on defense. They're both great team players, and we picked up Kluche. Uh, Mm -hmm. you know halfway through the season and uh, he's been great as well and uh, you know we picked up chris and and chris hasn't played every game because we're just you know we have a lot of depth on that side and it's it's uh, it's tough to know who's going to play you know game in game out and you know he's been he's been great at continually continuing to work hard to get back in the lineup and when he's in the lineup he makes my job difficult um because he plays well you know Mm in with one or two and I'm like, man, how, how do I mean, he really got one or two goals? So, so he's he's been really good, too. Like, all 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 three of them have added a lot to our team from last year.
2: How much stress does that play in a coaching system? Because I'm starting to find that out, coaching junior B in Victoria, that when you have to scratch a guy that's been playing good lacrosse just because it's numbers, that takes yeah. a lot of stress on you. Yeah,
3: and, and throughout the season, you know, I, I've I've been trying to make decisions that are best for the team. And I've been trying to look to see, you know, what combinations do well. Except sometimes, sometimes, you know, you, sitting in person doesn't mean, you know, he's the guy who's not playing the worst. It's just sometimes the combination of players is best. And sometimes it's kind of guy like what you got to go with. And but like in lacrosse, I, I look a lot at, you know, what bench do we have? You know, do I want yeah. three left this game or do I want four rights this game? So, that also comes into play. And then I look at the team we're playing. You know, how athletic are they? Um, you know, what what, what, I, what do I think they're going to do to our offense? And, you know, that also plays a role. And so, you know, it, it's tough sitting anyone, first and foremost, but it's a lot tougher sitting somebody when they're playing well. Last game, you know, Chris Guchar didn't play, and uh, he's been playing well for us. So that was a very tough sit for me.
2: You haven't had to make too many tough decisions between the pipes. Uh, Matt Vince has been an absolute rock since coming over from Rochester. How important is it for you to just keep him ready every game?
3: You know, Matt. You know, I I, have, I, I don't do anything keeping Matt ready. Matt Matt is a professional lacrosse goalie. He is mentally tough, and and you know all we do and when I say we have been talking about Richie and I is. <laughs> we talk to, to other goalies like I, I, it's a different mentality being goalie. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't want to mess around with the um, what i looking for. Something that's successful, yeah, um, you so. know, the streak or his comfort level. So you know, like I, I personally would have loved to see you know Higgins start four, five, six games this year. But so yeah. when a goalie's playing so well like Maddie, you don't you don't want distru- to disrupt his his success and, you know, take away from that, especially in our league when sometimes, you know, you play, you know, two games, three games in a month. So, you are know, you're playing so far and few in between games that you want to make sure that he's 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 ready to go the next game, especially down the stretch. So, you know, Mike's had such a great year. It's been really hard sitting him because he's been on such a great role.
2: Would it surprise you if this series goes the distance?
3: No, not at all. I would not be surprised and you know I would say if any two teams made the championship in our league that it wouldn't be surprising to to go 3 Yeah. Teams. Yeah.
2: Um your nephew is part of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Do you find yourself going to more Toronto games this year than in past?
3: Uh, yeah, I went to a couple more games because he got me some tickets and they're very expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, I, di- I did, uh, I went to four games this year, three of them in Toronto and one of them in Montreal. Nice. So, uh, and I
2: know uh, Dodgy was hitting you up for tickets too.
3: <laughs> well, he tries. I think people think because he's my nephew that I have unlimited tickets. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, you know, John knows a lot of people and so we have a big family and the tickets are not endless. Yeah. Especially in Toronto. So, he's, he's done a really good job of, uh, offering tickets to family members. Um you know, we just kinda of split it up for a couple games a season, which is more than enough. Yeah. And uh, we appreciate it and I'm definitely happy he's in Toronto. know, no offense, I you know, I love cheering for him when he was in New York. But uh, you know, you know, just coming back home playing for uh a team that I've cheered for my whole life makes things a lot easier. Absolutely. Uh how
2: important will the fans be in Bandland Saturday night?
3: they gonna be really important, you know. It's uh, like any other sport. You know, playing in front of your crowd just gives that extra little boost. And uh, we do have some great fans, uh, and you know, it's 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 a nice uh, it's nice to give back to them. And uh, I feel like the way you give back is, you know, playing as hard as you can and giving them playoff games.
2: Thanks very much, man. I appreciate your time. Uh, good luck Saturday, and we'll see you on in two weeks in Calgary.
0: Okay, thanks, Ted. appreciate it. There's John Tavares, one of the coaches for the Buffalo Bandits, and you gotta think that he and Richie Kilgore have to be in line for Coach of the Year honors in the National Lacrosse League as we kinda work towards that time of year in the NLL, but you heard him talk about Banditland, and I agree. It is going to be a massive advantage Saturday night, just like The roughhouse crowd will be a massive advantage in two weeks when the series flips back to Calgary. Home floor wasn't the greatest advantage in the first round of the playoffs. It was in the second round, and I think now that we are in the finals, it's going to become that much more imperative for both of these clubs to have the home fans loud, rambunctious, and on their side For the entire game. And there's not too many times where the crowd are going to turn on their home team. But you just never know in this day and age. I'm kidding. Uh, There's never going to be a moment where the fans turn on their club. This is going to be a series we are all going to pay attention with incredible focus. Because there are going to be so many... Little things within this series that will not only change the pace, but also change the way you think about things. And when I mean that, I speak from that as not only a fan, but also a coaching perspective. Because as a fellow coach, I watch these games incredibly close just to, as I mentioned before, pick up little nuances of what teams are doing. And I'm sure that there will be things that when they go back and watch the game from from game one, they'll learn from. Offensively, defensively, in transition. But like JT said, I don't think you can put too much weight in that game from earlier on in the year. Sure, you can go back and watch the tape. You can study some little things. But I would imagine that both teams will be focusing on game film from these last couple of games that teams have played in the playoffs and in the regular season that will be a better gauge of where these teams are but truly both these teams are so well prepared already that the coaching staffs will have to find minute faults in their opponents little things because there's not too many glaring differences In these clubs play right now. But the way that Kurt Miloski's mind thinks. The way that JT's mind thinks. They will be able to find the little kinks in the armor. And I'm thoroughly excited to watch these two coaches. And coaching staffs battle each other out. Because like I said. It is going to be an incredible chess match. Between these two clubs. It is going to be battles all over the floor. And there really isn't much to the side between these two clubs. It is a photo finish as these two teams get ready to play Saturday night. Every week, we take a peek around the NLL. So many stories to tell. Let's hope our guest gives us more than stats. It's time for a chat. With Smoke
2: and Not too many more times we'll be able to hear the greatest jingle in all of jingles during the National Lacrosse League season, but it's another chat with Smoke and Pat. Patty Gregg, how are you, buddy?
4: Man, you know, I'm feeling great, happy, you know, the sun's shining here in Ontario, it's about 21 degrees, headed on to an Ironheads game, NLL Finals week, and then you throw that out that, yeah, with the NLL Finals being here. The the season's almost over. At least we got summer ball coming up after. So, that's that's all right.
2: Three weeks possibly left in the National Lacrosse League season. Bandits, Roughnecks, the rematch of 2004. Bandits beating the Rock, Roughnecks beating the Mammoth. Uh, Did you kind of see this happening this
4: way, or did maybe the score in some of the games surprise you? Uh, You know what? I I think a few, maybe a month ago or so, I think that's when I switched my stance saying that, uh, Calgary would be the team coming out of the West, and I think for pretty much a long time not not just myself, a lot of people had Buffalo coming out of the east. Ooh. I don't think the road maybe was what I predicted it to be, you know, with Calgary uh, having to beat Colorado and the scores like you said uh, being so low scoring and not really expecting toronto and and Buffalo to meet but I, I think when the dust settled and you can see what you will about Saskatchewan uh, and even with Georgia and whoever else but I think at the end of the day we have the two best the most well-rounded teams on all ends of the floor uh, facing off with each other and at the end of the day that's what you want in a championship you want the two best teams facing off and I think that's what uh, National Lacrosse League fans will get with the NLL Cup this year. We'll get your thoughts on on the finals in a minute. But
2: let's go back to the Colorado-Calgary game. Nearly an entire half with no goals that ends 2 0 Um, Rob Williams said he'd never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything like it. Um, The closest thing I can remember was a a 3-2 game between Victoria and Coquitlam in the 2005 WLA Finals. But how crazy from your standpoint was that game Friday night between the Mammoth and Roughnecks?
4: Oh, it was it was absolutely nuts. And, uh, I, you know, I full disclosure, I missed the first quarter. I was out and I was checking my phone. And I, I kid you not, I thought point streak had to have been broken because I couldn't believe how low scoring it was. Yes, I know the two defenses on both teams, the goaltenders, are tremendous. Uh, but I would have never, ever expected it. I thought it was going to be a little bit of a low scoring affair, uh, you know, a little bit of a grind. Uh, but with how much... A talent they have up front and say what you will about colorado's offense kind of uh, you know going up and down throughout the year uh, i just did not expect that but at the end of the day with those two goalies um expect the unexpected when you have that world class of goaltenders in between the pipes you gotta feel for for dylan ward how good he played um you know, you put up a performance like that. The defense, you put up a performance like that as well. You expect to come out on top. Uh, but it, it was just an a, an unbelievable game. I, I think maybe for the casual lacrosse fan, they probably would have preferred um, some goals. But for the purists like yourself and, uh, and myself, and I know there's a lot of others that, you know, were just foaming at the mouth watching those defense and goaltenders go at it. It, it was a sight to behold. Um, you know, posts were hit, both
2: goaltenders are making great saves. not like the offenses weren't trying or getting in the middle exactly. of the floor, but
3: it was just
2: um, a, a perfect storm for both goaltenders. Now, the question becomes, can Christian Del Bianco do that two more times? Yeah. I, I You know
4: what, to be quite honest, I don't think it's possible, but I do think if the, the Roughnecks are uh, going to want to be champions at the end of this, I think DelBianco is going to have to steal one. You just look at that Bandits offense and just the way that it's constructed, you can't key in on one or two guys, because if you do that, they have so many other guys that can burn you. Uh, and that Eastern Conference Finals was was exactly that. Uh, no one player really went off. They had a bunch of players. Uh, you know, Dane Smith had five. I mean, Steve Priolo had four assists. Uh, Corey Small had a big game. But you just you really can't game plan for a couple of players. And that's what Calgary's going to have to do. They're going to have to play good team defense. And Del Bianco, I don't know if he's going to be able to, you know, duplicate a performance like that. But I think he's going to have to have some big-time performances uh, to allow his team to be successful. And that's not a knock uh, against this team, um, you know, this Roughnecks team. Because, you know, outside of, of the Bandits, you could easily make an argument saying that they have the second most scoring depth in the league and the bandits are have their hands full as well they have a tough team that they're going to really have to game plan as well because you look at how many offensive weapons they have as well
2: mm-hmm. and I think the biggest thing in this series is going to be depth of scoring.
4: yes no doubt about that I, I think you can expect you know the big guns the, the Dane Dobies the Dane Smiths you know, Curtis Dixon, Sean Evans. I mean, the names go on and on and on. Those guys are going to go off for, for goals. Teams are going to, you know, as I said, you can't really game plan them. But at the same time, you have to be aware of those guys. But I do agree. I think when the dust settles here, you're going to look at a player, you know, it, it, maybe it'd be a transition player, a depth piece player, that you're going to say they are truly, you know, the X factor in why this team came out in, cha- uh, in uh, to win the championship because uh, they're just so closely matched and it just seems like they're just formulated so well. Uh, they have the high-powered offense. The defense really like to, you know, move the ball up the floor, get involved in the transition, and you have two tremendous goalies and Matt Vince, who has been the best goaltender in many recent years, and you look down the floor, you have Christian DelBianco, who uh, you could ar- argue that he is the future of goaltending as well.
2: Uh, I was going to be my next question. Uh, the battle of Matt Vince and Christian DelBianco is going to be probably one of the highlights of this series. And we talked about Christian Del Bianco already, but how good consistently has Matt Vince been over the span of his career? This is what, now his fourth championship in, what,
4: five years, six years mm-hmm. that he's been in? Yeah, it's, it's it's it's. I don't know if we've really seen a player uh, be this dominant uh, for this long of a stretch, and it seems like he just keeps getting, you know, better and better. Six-time goaltender of the year last year, he wins, you know, the first time since 2015. Looks like he's probably gonna get his seventh. Uh, you you want to throw out the GOAT term? Uh, don't get me wrong. I, I mean, it's tough with some of the goaltenders that we've seen in the National Lacrosse League. But how do you not say it's him? And, and not, not just because we've seen some goalies with smaller sample size, you know, dominate. Uh, but, you know, he's dominated for so long. And like I said, he's aging like fine wine. And that's a perfect name for Vino because that's exactly what he's doing. Uh, he just keeps getting better and better. You look at the numbers here. He's met, this is the most wins he's had in a single season. He had 14. That was a career best for him. Uh, You know, he was sub um, or almost sub 10 goals against average. That would have been the first time uh, since back in 2015 as well. Uh, And he shows no signs of slowing down. And if you know Matt Vincent, you've seen him off the floor. Uh, He's an absolute specimen. I don't know if there's anyone else in the game definitely as a goaltender uh, that takes care as good as a, uh, his body as he does. He's the type of guy that I could see him still, you know, going for a few more years uh, because we have seen no signs of him slowing down. And if he stays on this bandits team, they're not really getting any older anytime soon. They still have a very, very young core. And, and this could be maybe the start. Obviously they have to win a championship here, uh, but they sure, you know, if they win a championship here, it's not like they've sold the farm and this is their last time they can do it. Uh they could have some dominance here for, for many years to come.
2: Fifth time since two thousand and twelve that Matt Vince has been the starting goal center in a national trophy final. That is ridiculous. Um this is a rematch to the two thousand four final. Really the only similarities um on these rosters are the team names. Um Tavares was there, Kilgore was there, but now they're behind the bench. Um, does, does it matter? There's a rematch or is that just uh, a nice friendly historical piece?
4: I, uh, you know what, I think, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's just fun to talk about because it was such a special championship for the national lacrosse league. Um, it was, I, I don't want to say the peak of the popularity from a mainstream point. Um, but it was certainly near the rise uh, of the popularity for the National Lacrosse League The finals was on the score You know, Tim McAuliffe uh, I saw that out on Twitter He even was getting involved He was on the broadcast um, Doing the play-by-play It was a sellout out crowd for yeah. the Roughnecks Their first championship uh, And I mean, like you said I do think it's kind of cool You Just looking at the names, you mentioned it Obviously Tavares, Kilgore Who are now on the bench Steve Dietrich, the general yeah. manager He was on that team as well Uh, But I do feel like maybe there is some correlations with the two teams because of the depth and the guys that each team had and how they could go off at any moment. Uh, But besides that, yeah, I agree. I don't think there's really anything that you can go into it saying like, oh, the last time these two teams met – uh, the Ooh. Roughnecks won, so, you know, the Bandits, no, they're not thinking about that at all. Uh, but from a storyline standpoint, yeah, of course, it, it is pretty cool to see these two teams meet again. And uh, uh, like I said, from the, the historians of the lacrosse world, they'll certainly love it. And uh, I mean, looking back at the game sheets and the story that Brad MacArthur actually threw up on Twitter, yeah. um, it was kind of yeah. cool to see all the, all that those little tidbits as well.
2: Uh these two teams faced
4: once during the regular
2: season, Buffalo winning twelve, ten in the four one fourth quarter. Uh do teams rely on that? Is that is that a game tape that they're gonna go back and study? And
4: if so, how much do they study? You know what, I think they definitely study it and they they take a look, uh, to see. But I, I think that if you look at, you know, the more recent film, you know, within the playoffs last couple of weeks. I think those are really, really what the coaching staff and the video coaches are, are going to really dissect. Um, but anytime, you you know, you, you meet a team and, uh, you know, unfortunately, I guess, or fortunately, depending on which way you want to look at it, these two teams only met once. So um, they don't have a lot of film and a lot of experience against each other to kind of compare. So I think where they're really going to find out which matchups work well, Uh, which offensive and defensive sets or what they decide, which players are going to be in and out of the lineup. I think that kind of goes from more of a recency bias rather than maybe the one game that they played earlier on in the year. Does it go three games? I think it does. I really do. I'd be surprised um, if either one of these teams win. And I just think that they're far, far too well-matched. Uh, I think there's too much talent on the offensive side for both teams to for these, even though I just, you know, praise their defense and goaltending and coaching staff um, for the last five minutes, it seems like. But at the end of the day, I I just think these two offenses are far, far too potent. um, And I think that we're going to see that counterpunch whoever wins in that first game. Uh, both buildings are very, very tough to play in, especially with the Roughnecks, um, you know, the way they've been drawing crowds as of late. I can imagine that building is going to be rocking once again for game two. So if I had to guess, I think I, I think the home team wins both uh, for game one, game two, game three. Don't even bother asking me because that right there could be a coin flip. Uh,
2: how glad are you that it's not a mini game? Oh, God.
4: The sound of the word minigame just makes me sick to my stomach. Uh, And I couldn't even, and that's just from a broadcaster slash fans perspective. I can only imagine what the players think of that. Um, It's just, I just don't think it's fair uh, to work, you know, for so long months and months of preparation, blood, sweat, and tears. And you're really going to decide a championship or uh, decide a playoff game with a miniseries. Like, come on. Uh, from from an outsider looking in if you want to grow the game and and legitimize the league that can't happen so i'm glad that's that's done and over with i'm glad they added the extra game um i would like to see more series develop um throughout the actual you know playoffs with maybe yeah. even the, the conference finals i think that's something that we'll get to one day obviously the you know logistics of it doesn't work but i think one day it would be great to see um you know a three game series for the eastern conference finals and heck maybe you know maybe even a five game or seven gamer uh for the championship me personally you know watching the man cup seeing those guys battle uh Ooh. for potentially you know seven games st- uh, straight against each other uh it it, it just it develops such a rivalry um seeing the national lacrosse be able to do it Uh, I think that would be uh, every lacrosse fan's dream at the end of the day. 100%. How are the Ironheads doing, buddy? Ironheads are doing well. You know, uh, we're starting to get some boys back. Uh, One, two in a row. We're sitting second uh, in our division right now, behind uh, just our crosstown rivals, the Green Gales, who are undefeated. So things are starting to roll together. Um, You know, like I said, obviously, earlier, you know, we're waiting for guys to come back. I think by Saturday, everyone will come back. Uh, the Beaches Junior A, our affiliate, took a couple of guys, but no surprises, the guys that we we're expected to. So, you know, the guys are pumped. They're they're ready to prove something because, uh, as we talked about it a few weeks ago, um, you know, it is great to see the guys that we've developed at a National Lacrosse League level and, you know, in the Reno lacrosse and even, you know, NCAA. Uh, but at the end of the day, that's great, but we still want to win. We we want to develop great cross players but we want to develop a, a winning culture and i think that's something that's that's really helped and uh i think that's something that we're really building upon and uh one quick note i think the toronto beaches maybe this is being biased because they're in our organization they are going to be a team to watch this year uh jack kelly if you watched him for penn state once he comes home. Uh, he had six goals for Penn State. If you know, potentially coming home with a national championship rolls in with that fast beaches team. Boy, uh, I don't want to say they're my pick for the Ontario championship, but they're definitely a dark horse to do some damage in Ontario. And I know Clem D'Errazzo is going to be pissed off at me now because I <laughs> I, I put them. some light on them. <laughs> yeah.
2: Now that I just said
4: that, oh no, he's not going to be happy.
2: <laughs> expected text Friday morning, buddy. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, one last thing. Does Tiger win two majors in a row this weekend? Oh, gosh.
4: You know what? I I, I kind of put my foot in my mouth when I said he's not back, and, boy, did he prove me wrong. But yeah. with that being said, I don't think so. I think he's going to be in contention, no doubt. But, oh, gosh, wouldn't it be something, though? Come Sunday, he's still in contention um, I, I know it'd be great for the game because let's be honest, hate them or love them, uh seeing Tiger relevant again, uh, it makes it makes for the game that much more uh, enjoyable and just brings so much more eyeballs to the game. And um, But with that being said, I, I don't think it's going to happen. But, hey, I, I've had to eat my foot once. I'll probably have to do it again.
0: There he is, Pat Gregoire. You can read his stuff on IL Indoor Inside Lacrosse, Cross was Grinders and Gamers of the Week. You can also catch him moonlighting every so often on the Lacrosse Flash with the rest of an all-star crew. Tyson Geik had Brian, Sh- yeah Brian Shanahan, I almost called him Brendan. Brian Shanahan who will do color commentary uh, for Game One of the series. Also Jake Elliot was on the Lacrosse Flash as well this week as they broke down game one of the National Lacrosse League Finals. I'm excited. Um, It's not too often I get excited for for games that teams I work for aren't in the finals, but I always get up for the National Lacrosse League Finals just because it's the culmination of a half-years-long battle. And much like I think we all kind of agree... Seeing the playoffs extend to best-of series throughout. Um, in the first, second round, and all the way right to the finals, whether it's a best-of-three, a best-of-five, a best-of-seven, uh, an escalating series, whatever you want to do. There's nothing wrong with one games, especially early on if you're just trying to trim the fat, but once we get into the meat of the playoffs, I think having the series go a best-of just adds that much more tension to things. And I really think you could probably do a best two of three over one weekend. It'd be tough, obviously, especially if you had to play that third game. But there's going to have to be a way somewhere down the road for the National Lacrosse League, once we expand and get all these new teams that are eventually slowly going to join the system, that we're going to have to get away from all of these One game series. Eventually, we're going to have to let these teams ballot out in the playoffs and not just in the finals. That time may not be right now. That time may not even be next year. But down the road, I truly believe that if we get to 30 teams, that the National Lacrosse League playoffs will be more than just one game, one game, Best of three. But for now, that's what we're stuck with, and we get game one of the best of three Saturday night. Bandits, Roughnecks. A rematch of 4 Really, the only people that were there during that game are on the coaching benches right now. And there's not too many of them. Kilgore, Tavares. That's about it. Dietrich. He's in the GM chair. Those are the only three guys that are really playing in that game that are in this series. So 0-4 doesn't matter except for historical sakes. The game earlier in the season probably doesn't matter other than prosperity's sake. These are two completely different teams playing the best lacrosse that they have played all year long and it's only fitting that they meet in a best two of three. Game one goes Saturday from Banditland in Buffalo, New York. You can catch the game live on Bleacher Report Live. And, of course, game two in Calgary, Alberta, next Saturday, also on BR Live. My name is Teddy Jenner. Find me on Twitter at OffTheCrossbar. Email me teddy.jenner at gmail.com. It's the finals, and we are here. When we talk to you next week, one team will be one win away from a National Cross League title. And until then, enjoy the games and be excellent to each other.